Hey everybody, welcome to the football podcast. I'm Chris, as always, the guy Kent Repository, sports reporter, Peter Holland Jr. with me. Peter, how you doing today? What's up, what's up, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Chris. Yeah, I'm doing good too. Uh, interesting weekend for football, let's get right to it. I thought, you know, I'm sounding very hypocritical, I think, when we talk about Ohio State. Like, they win games by 40. I'm like, ah, it's boring. Maybe they're not playing that well. But I'll tell you, I was impressed by this Penn State game. I thought Penn State was the toughest opponent they played so far. I thought Penn State came ready to play. I thought they played well. I thought Ohio State didn't play it well at the beginning. And, you know, Pierre, I liked it how Ohio State kind of stepped up at the end. Um, I thought Stroud made some good plays uh, as the game went on. Uh, JT Tremonso, I think his last name is, uh, probably had one of the better Ohio State defensive games that we've ever seen. And, you know, championship game teams win games like that. They don't always have to win by 40. Sometimes there's games where you say, hey, they're going to get beat, but they kind of manned up and won at the end. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I think this is a potentially a season turning around game for Ohio State. Am I looking at right? Well, for starters, is JT Tuomalo. That's how you say Tuomalo. Okay. Yeah, you gotta you gotta love those um Polynesian names, man. Um, we, but we gotta learn how to say his name, man. Because Tuomalo, if he keeps playing like that, he's gonna be drafted really high in the draft one of these days. Well, we, we I already I think I already got it now. I, I don't know about you, Chris, but yeah, but I think that's also a thing about JT Tuomalo. If I'm if I remember correctly. He was the number one recruited um, in his class, if yeah. I remember, coming out of Edgewood, Washington. So he's living up to that status because he played like he should be the number one overall pick. Uh, he definitely balled out. He kind of wowed me. Um, definitely stand because those numbers were just amazing. Not, not, it's not usual when you have a sack, a deflection, a fumble, and a touchdown. So that's just a mind-boggling for a defensive player to have a field day like he did. But I'm with you. Um, Penn State played well than I expected them to be. I knew they were going to be competitive. I knew that um, I knew that since they're going to be in their environment, they're not going to go down that easily compared to what happened in Michigan. Um, but Ohio State definitely did answer back when they needed it to. They definitely had a strong second half. They finished strong in the fourth quarter. Um, that's something that you definitely you definitely would need from Ohio State that I think will help them with the styles points is coming from behind when you're going against another ranked team, especially in your conference, and how do you respond when coming from behind and finish up strong. And they did that with um, in impressive fashion. So definitely uh, a signature win for Ohio State. And they definitely earned to um, get that number two spot. Well, and we're going to talk about this later on when we talk about some of these pro teams. But, man, you know, Ohio State, you know, Jackson, Swift, Jumba didn't play. Um, you know, they have two good running backs, but it seems like one or the other gets hurt a lot. Uh, Man Williams had to uh, miss a little bit of the game. Uh, but it seems like guys keep on stepping up. And, you know, Ohio State's missing some of their playmakers, and they're still making the plays when they need to. And, you know, there, there were some times where they had to sell for field goals, but you're on the road against Penn State. I mean, you're not going to score touchdowns every drive. I don't know, man. I I remember as a kid watching the Michael Jordan Bulls teams, and for as dominant as they were, they didn't always blow teams out. Sometimes they won the games where you sat and said, man, they're playing like crap, they shouldn't win. And next thing you know, they end up winning the game. And I looked at that. I looked at Ohio State as a game like that. When you knew they were better going in, but they didn't play well, and you said, man, they could get beat. And next thing you know, they're up by 20. You know, so I I, I think, I, you know, some some of our sports writing friends on Columbus were trying to say how this was rough for Ohio State. I actually think this is kind of a good one for them. I, I was really impressed. Um, what could be – one can be bold and one can be good in the other. It was pretty rough at first. For yeah. And also going back to my point where you really want to, even when you're coming from your, how do you respond 
on when you come from behind. And I think what they did for um, Ohio State. Yeah, and they're going to have the I'm hate to say hate to say off week, but they, they have a little bit of a um, you know hopefully it's not a letdown game, but you know they're playing Northwestern on the road. Uh, Northwestern's one and seven. Um, again, they're bad. Ohio's, yeah, Ohio's got way too much talent to lose the game, but hopefully it's not a letdown. Hopefully they play well, um, and you know they move on after that. I mean, what's what's after Northwestern? Is it? Uh, is it Maryland or am I missing the game here? I think they got Maryland after that. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. They got they're at Northwestern, and then they got Indiana, then Maryland, and then they finish up with Michigan. Okay, so you got two games that you should win in Northwestern, Indiana. You should beat Maryland. Um, man, they better not overlook Maryland, though. <laughs> yeah, I know it's going to be kind of well, tempting I'll, because I'll be, I'll be careful with that Maryland team. I will be careful with yeah. that. That could be a trap game. That could be a very trap. Maryland is tough. They're competitive. They're six and two. They're an impressive six and two. I would not sleep on that team at all. That could be that oh, trap yeah. game, Even especially, oh, yeah. especially a week before you play Michigan in the big game. That could be a distraction right there. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't overlook Maryland at all. And I, I think what's going to be a test for Ohio State is they'll be the risk to overlook Maryland because you know. Michigan, I mean, it's probably going to be a top-four game at the end of the year, assuming both teams win. And it may be easy for Ohio State to be tempted to overlook Maryland. So I think it's going to be a really good test of where Ohio State's at, where Ryan Day's at, you know, to come out and play strong against Maryland. Because it's going to be easy to look at that Michigan game, man. The Michigan game is going to be for everything this year. And, you know, Ohio State's got to keep it up. Yeah, Um we all know that the Ohio State and Michigan being as a rival, but then it's also going to be maybe the deciding factor of who's going to get in the, um, the college playoffs. And and you still got the Big Ten Championship to go along with that to, 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 com- to signify that you're a playoff team or not. So, yeah, it's easy just to look far ahead and look at that on the Michigan, but you still got to go week by week and – Still hope to, hope to get all your guys healthy, especially with Jackson Dick. But you know, especially when this is probably one of those times where once again you want to hold him out because you don't need him on the field when you're going again a what a one in six Northwestern team. You don't necessarily need him against uh against Indiana when it's at home, but you're going to need him with these remaining two teams. So it's probably the best to sit him out. And even um, some of the running backs you have, like Travion Williams and Mayan Williams and Mayan has been coming out. But at least you get one of them ready. And it also just shows how much the depth they have Ohio State. I don't think we don't appreciate enough the depth that they have on a team where if one guy goes down, they have someone else who can step up. I think there's more props on Ohio State and more props to them guys re- recruiting the guys that these last couple of years where they could – step in right away when your star player or your starter goes down. So I think that's more process of the coaching and how um, they continue to build a depth on their lineup. Yeah, you didn't have Mayan Williams last year. Um, he missed a lot of the season because of that injury. When Travion Henderson kind of wore down at the end of last year, that hurt Ohio State. But now, you know, as you said, you got that depth and you're in a much, man, much better place. So, um, yeah, well, and let's talk about this. Uh, this is relevant to uh, the first um, ratings came out, you know, where the uh, committee gets together and picks teams. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I was watching ESPN last night and they kind of freaked out a little bit because Clemson was in the fourth spot of the Michigan. But, you know, I, I mean, it's definitely good to talk about. Um, Tennessee was one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four, uh, Michigan five, Alabama six. I'll tell you, Pierre, though, I mean, it's good that they had the ratings like this. But on, at the same time, you know, this weekend, Georgia and Tennessee plays. Uh, a couple weeks, Ohio State, Michigan plays. Those games are really going to tell who's going to be at the final four at the end. So I wouldn't be too upset about Clemson being number four. I mean, you know, whoever wins these two big games coming up, it's not going to shake up those ratings. 
Well, yeah. Um, I don't know where does he be upset about, especially when that could change even within a week. Um, oh, so yeah. yeah. So I know uh, it's just a stepping stone. It's just gonna continue to drastically change. I'm so excited for that Tennessee Georgia game. Uh, no one. That's a team that you never even saw coming, and um, they look like a team that could go against anybody right now. They deserve to be where they are right now. And it's now you get to see if they really are like that when you're going against Georgia. You know, it, I feel like it's going to be a bloodbath, man. So um, yeah. one, one of that game, that's SEC football for you, man. I, a, a conference that I grew up watching and enjoying. You love seeing stuff like this. Um, Tennessee is giving that same kind of vibe when – you just remember that LSU team when they had that vibe with Joe Burrow and those guys. It gave me this. I'm getting that same kind of energy with Hannon Hooker and Hyatt. It's it's just crazy how this Tennessee team is just emerging and got them in that top four spot. And we'll see how they look against the Georgia team. Georgia team is tough. They're great defensively. Run the ball well. I'm their quarterback is all right with me, but uh, they're just good at all other cylinders where. It's definitely going to be a tough, and we're definitely going to see if Tennessee is definitely a top four worthy team. Is that game in Georgia or, ten- or um, Tennessee? It's in Athens. It's in Athens. Wow. I yeah, so I was going to say they're going to be a hot line, man, as well. Yeah, I was going to say, man, it's got to be Tennessee, but man, I don't know now if it's in Georgia. Wow, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be a bloodbath. I, just like I told you, Wolves. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what, so what's your pick for that game? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even get this far. Uh, I got to think about that. Yeah, I got to think about that too because look at some paper. Again, I'm, I really love this Tennessee team. I love I yeah. love being – I'm on their bandwagon right now. I'm usually not a guy who would jump on a college football team bandwagon because I love college football that much. But, man, Georgia – I do got concerns about Georgia too after that Missouri game. Yeah. Um, because they have their own little inconsistency, should we say. Um, this is a team that you should not have a bad start. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to come down in the fourth quarter. I think, whatever, man. I'm going with Tennessee. You know what? I'm going to continue to ride with Tennessee. I think they're going to continue to shock the world. Well, and you know, Georgia's a good team. Take stuff away from Georgia, but man, oh, like you said, team. you know, they sleptwalk against Missouri. They easily could have lost that game. And then if you look at that game where they played Kent State, and I know, you know, I, I always feel like that Kent State game like the Ohio State Northwestern. I mean, they have more talent than Kent State. They were gonna lose to Kent State. But man, they slept walk against that team. And Georgia's still a good football team, but I'm not sure if you can rank Georgia over, you know, Tennessee because of that. You know, I, I think Tennessee, I'm okay with Tennessee being one. I mean, I think you can make an argument for Ohio State being one too, but again, it's going to, oh, things are going to pan out. If Ohio State beats Michigan this year, I think Ohio State can overtake Tennessee just based on how long. So, you know, again, this. And for Ohio State fans, hey, get in the top four. That's all that matters right now. And I don't see how if they win out, they won't be in the top four. So, you know, just do what you need to do. Keep winning, and it'll be fine. I'm not too worried about Tennessee being one, Ohio State being two right now. So, all right. Uh, Any other um, college stuff we need to talk about before we head over to the NFL? Um, nothing in particular. I think we got everything covered on our end, so we can move on. Okay, very good. Alabama and LSU do play, play as well. I, Alabama and LSU play as well, so watch out for LSU. They might, they might stun Alabama and get them out of the playoffs for good. We'll see. <laughs> A lot of high state fans would be happy to hear that if that happens. So, Sorry, all right, well, hey. Yeah, it's like NFL. Obviously, a lot of interesting things happened. Um, you know, we covered the AFC North and yeah, you know, some other NFL news as we think of it. But um, two of our teams played each other: the Browns and the Bengals. 
Um, man, the Bengals have some injury issues. Um, their offensive line still isn't playing that well. They lost their top cornerback on Monday against the Browns for the year. Cornerbacks. Cornerbacks. They lost two of them. That's oh, they lost bad. two. Wow. They lost two. And, and the Bengals have good receivers, but, man, Jamar Chase is kind of that linchpin that, you know, makes your good receivers into a great unit. And not having Jamar Chase didn't help out Marys either. And the Browns play pretty well. Browns won 32 to 13. Um, you know, it seems surprising if you just hear the score, but the more you think about the injuries and everything else, I guess it's not that surprising, which kind of surprises me even say that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things to take away with that. Um, the fact that one thing, if I remember correctly, Joe Burrow has not beaten the Cleveland Browns yet. Am I, is that, am I correct about that? Joe Burrow hasn't. Um, Joe Burrow yeah, has not right. beat, The Joe Burrow has not beaten Cleveland yet. I think he's zero and six. I think that's what the stat was. Yeah, he's because of Brown. Through. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Um. That's that's really not a good look. Um. For <sighs> you're. The Bengals are hurting right now. It's just in all all phases, physically and mentally. Um, losing Akil Weather, um, a, a Wuzie, that was definitely a blow. Mm-hmm. You're it's so bad that you have to move Dax Hill into corner, and he never played corner since his high school days. That's that's something where you're very concerned on that position. And all you guys left is what Eli Apple, and he's literally hanging on by a deep threat. Um, they still can't get the running game going with, without Joe Mixon. We even we talked about this last week. What is wrong with the running game? What's wrong with Joe Mixon? It's that and and going back offensive line. I, that's all they can't get no push. And you spent make all this money getting Leo Collins and Alex Kappa. Um, it's still not where you need to be. And also, Jonah Williams is terrible at left tackle. You've got to get him out of there. Um, what do you allow? Eight sacks so far? you got to get him out of there. So it's they're, they're bad all around right now. They can still be competitive and still probably turn it around because the AFC North is still up for grabs. But it's just not looking good right now with the Bengals. And, if, and it's worse if you don't have Jamar Chase with you. Yeah, he's out for at least a couple weeks. Um, yeah, I got the box score up, and you, you raised a couple good points. I mean, first of all, Joe Mixon, eight carries, 27 yards. Overall, the Bengals only carried the ball 10 times. Now, I will say, they found themselves down 25 zip after three uh, quarters. So, yeah, I mean, you're in a position where you need to throw the ball a little bit more. But still, man, yeah, it doesn't say a lot about your running game when you put up those numbers. Yeah. And you you need, and that's what that's why I always thought that what that made Bengals a more balanced because you because you got a Joe Mixon who can um, who can carry the ball for you and take the heat out of Joe Burrow, but it's just not been working for them. And I don't know what the real issues is. And some are also really calling for Zach Taylor and his play calling abilities as well. The same way the Browns been calling for Kevin Stefanski's head as well. Um, so it. it it's just something that's really hard to figure out right now with the on the Bengals side. I I know the Browns have Miles Garrett, and I know when things are right, you know Miles Garrett can be good. And he had a good game; he had a sack and a half on Monday night against the Bengals. But man, you know you mentioned the offensive line, five sacks, and again, this Browns defense is not a good defense. So, no. I mean, yeah, when the Browns put together, they can play well in the defense. But man, you can't get down twenty five. Zip, you can't give them five sacks and win games. I mean, again, you should look at this as wow, the Browns upset the Bengals. Man, I, again, I'm I feel weird saying this, but it really didn't come as a surprise looking at the the entirety of everything here. Um, it's interesting. Jacoby Brissett, you know, we're not overwhelmed by him, but when he plays efficient, he looks pretty darn good. Uh 17 for 22, 278. Pretty workmanlike type game. 
Um, no interceptions, which is good. The Browns wouldn't have had any interceptions if it wasn't for the fact that they wanted Amari Cooper to throw a pass, which didn't look that good. Um, but no, I thought uh, Jacoby Brissett had a good game. Um, I, I wish for the Browns' sake that he'd be a little bit more consistent. Um, I mean, he's had a couple of clunkers, but when he looks good, the Browns can be a tough-to-beat team. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always been Jacoby Brissett down, down why he is what he is, is he'll look good the next week, and it's kind of easy to look good against this Bengals team that's missing their starters. Um, but – and then the next week, you you lay an egg, and you don't look like what you looked like the, the last week. So you don't want him to go up and down, up and down every week. Um, but um, you're going to need Jacoby Brissett to be at the best because the next few weeks is going to be a – they got the bye. They got a bye week, am I correct? Um, but after that, they're gonna they're gonna have to go through the gauntlet. If you look at their next right. next few games, they they got the Dolphins, they got the Buffalo Bills, they got the Buccaneers, and that's even before Deshaun Watson comes back for the Houston game. So we're really going to see what this Cleveland Browns is all about. If they're are they going to get back into at least contending for that division, making more competitive instead of just because right now the Ravens are that favorite right now as we see because they got first place but can they get in that mix or they're going to flat flat on the fix against a more superior team and that's before Deshaun Watson comes back so this is going to definitely be uh, the next few weeks after their bye week to see what this Browns team is all about and you know we, we said this all year when the Browns run the ball they can look good 44 carries, oh. 172 yards. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. Oh, my goodness. Nick Chubb, I love that man. I really love the way he runs. Yeah. I've been, I've been saying this for the longest, man. Give Nick Chubb the ball. He's your only right. playmaker. Feed him the ball. You got a good chance of winning. And they finally – Hear, hear my voice. I'm sure Stefanski must have listened to our little Ohio podcast. <laughs> I've been saying this. Give Nick Chubb the ball. All he does is go forward, and he's hard to tackle. And they finally did that. He what? He, what he got? 150 yards or 130 yards or something like that. Um, well, he, he performed. He, uh, sorry, I was going to say he actually he actually had 101, uh, but it was a oh, nice oh. mix. I mean, yeah. Cream Hunt added 42, which was good. Um, even Dearness Johnson uh, got in game later. Yeah. He, he had yards. So, yeah, Nick Chubb is your catalyst. He's got to, you know, does everything. But it's nice to have, you know, some help. And I'll tell you, here's the other thing, too. I think when Jacoby Brissett looks good, the running game happens. It opens up play action and everything. I, I'm really looking at the targets, like how many catches you have with the targets you have. Amari Cooper – Five catches, 131 uh, yards, seven targets. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, a lot of questions about him. Four for four, four catches, four targets, 81 yards. Cream Hunt, four targets, four catches. It just makes everything go a lot simpler when you have that running game to support the passing game. It just shows that you're a lot more balanced now instead of having to rely on Jacoby Brissett through the air. It's just good that you have a well balance offense. That's something that was supposed to be the intention for the Cleveland Browns earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, it's just good to have that running game going consistently and just continue to open up for your passing game. And you just see with um, Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper connecting with each other, that's also a really good um, positive thing. They've been connecting very well lately. I, that's something that and I'm very impressed as well that Nick Chubb, um, Mari Cooper starting to look like the vintage of Mari Cooper that we saw in Dallas. Um, so this is why that you this is the this is as good as it gets for Cleveland. This is something that you will want, especially with Jacoby Brissett and you know Cleveland have their fair shares of injuries on the defensive side, so they're they're hanging hanging in there. Uh, just but yeah, just. With Cleveland, this is something that they could definitely build upon. But again, it's just going to get tougher now. That after your after going out with your bye, you're going to have to deal with the God leg going through. So you're going to see what the Cleveland Browns team is all about. 
Yeah, again, don't throw the ball, Mari, and I think things will be okay. Um, yeah, that <laughs> pass he threw was rough. Uh, I mean, and, you know, if you're a Bengals fan listening, you're like, hey, look all the injuries. And I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I would be concerned as a Bengals fan because, again, it's one thing if, okay, you said, oh, these guys are out for one day. But, I mean, you've got guys out for the season. You've got Jamar Chase. It looks like a couple weeks. I mean, it's one thing if it was just one of those nights where everyone was hurt. Uh, it's going to be that way for a couple of weeks, too. And, you know, the Bengals got win to stay in it. I, I'll tell you, I mean, let's move to the Ravens. Uh, you, you know, Peter, always a knock on the Ravens, and we saw this early in the year. They couldn't close out games. They were, you know, losing late leads and other, and other stuff like that. You know, we still got a long season to go. But the last couple of games, man, you know, they're running the ball better. They're holding on the leads at the end. Um, you know, they got a nice mix where Jam- Lamar Jackson looks great. Um, he's thro- they're throwing in running. Lamar's running well. Uh, they're looking pretty good. And I'll tell you something, too. Um, you know, the trade deadline, uh, the Steelers made a couple moves we'll talk about in a second. But I thought that the Ravens did really well. Roquan Smith is a tackle monster. They got him for a second and fifth round pick. Man, the Ravens are gearing up to maybe make a run at this thing. I, I, I'm getting more impressed by them in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, these last couple of weeks has been good for um, the Ravens. Um, beating the, beating the, the Browns in a tight fashion. And then a lot, they won a lot of close games, which has really been the issue with um, the Ravens in the first place is can they win the fourth quarter? That's always been the problem. Can they finish all four quarters? And typically they would fall apart in the fourth quarter. But it, but yeah, right as of right now, the Ravens are the best team in their division, and it's kind of clear to see that. Um, and yeah, as far I really love that. Um, uh, the addition of Roquan Smith, I think he fits perfectly with the Baltimore Ravens and what they stand by defensively. You need a tackler. You need a guy who can be on, on the inside linebacker presence along with Patrick Queen um, yeah. in that seven. This is something that is desperately needed for this um, Baltimore Ravens. And now I just want the only thing that's my concern, but that's more in the offseason than it is in this Roquan Smith won big dollars. He wants to be the, one of the highest paid linebackers. So you, they're going to have to figure that out while negotiating with Lamar Jackson. I know we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but those are something that you want to keep in mind when you make the addition with Roquan Smith and why it didn't work out in Chicago. He wants to get paid. So those are just something that is really concerning, but as far as, as being an addition for Baltimore, that's one of those missing pieces that the Baltimore Ravens needed. Yeah, I, I I just thought it was a good move. Uh, I know the Steelers are kind of sniffing around at Roquan Smith for, before the season started. And, you know, I was hearing things back then that would take at least a first-round pick. So I think, you know, for the Ravens to get him for a second and a fifth, I mean, Peter, even if it turns out to be a rental and Roquan goes someplace else next year, man, if it can help him, it'll help. Now, I still look at the AFC as being the Bills, you know, conference. But, you know, Ravens are looking pretty good, and I, I think Roquan Smith makes that defense even better. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a – I'm not willing to give the conference to the Ravens just yet, but, you know, the Steelers are a mess. Browns, they're still hanging in there, but they're they're kind of on the outskirts a little bit. Bengals look like they have a tough couple weeks coming up. I think the divisions the Ravens will lose. You know, they can just not go right through the door. Um, <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. Like I said, well, yeah, like like you mentioned, it's still up in the air. But I, I the Ravens is right now the best team in their division. The Bengals are not too far off. They're just not healthy right now. They just need to figure themselves out right now because we don't know the consistency of. Losing DJ Reader and then losing your cornerbacks, that's something that you can really – two important key players on your defensive end and then not getting your running game and then losing Jamar Chase. They're hurting right now, but the only argument I can make with that is everyone across the league is hurting right now. 
everybody's hurting. Everyone's right. suffering long-term injuries. A lot of them are dealing with season-ending injuries. I'm a Dolphins fan. We're literally down to their last three corners from third, fourth, fifth string corners, and that they're five and three. So it's it's rough. But how do you overcome that? Um, obviously, that next man up mentality. And if you are in a win now mode, you gotta make all these quick moves and get an addition, or at least find if you really believe in the team that you have now. You can't take that as an excuse when you're trying to win your division, trying to make that playoff push, which you should right now, as you have way through the season. Yeah, and you know we talked about that the other week with the Dolphins. I mean, you had three cornerbacks. You still play well. You beat the Steelers. I don't know if the Bing. Well, I'll put it this way: against the Browns, the Bengals did not have that next man up mentality. That's why they lost. It'll be interesting to see if the Bengals can bounce back. And you know, it's the NFL for you, man. You know they. You know you can look like crap one week, and then next week you look better. So you never know. I, I mean, uh, the season's not over for the Bengals. They just need to bounce back. Um, boy, I hate this part of the show, Peter, because we got to talk about my Steelers that. It used to be fun, mm-hmm. Pierre. It used to be, man, look at the Steelers. Look how great they are. Look how – and this just is not their year. Um, I'll tell you, Pierre, I overlooked the Eagles. I, I didn't think the Eagles were going to be terrible, but I thought I wasn't too excited about the Eagles coming this year. Eagles are a solid team. They're well put together. Their defense is good. Um, I thought – you know, I read something over the weekend about Jalen Hurts, and they were talking about – some of these young quarterbacks, when you get that franchise receiver to come to them, look at how they develop so quick. I'll give you a couple examples. Josh Allen, he was a good young quarterback. Stephon Diggs comes up, boom. You know, Josh Allen propels himself forward. Tua, your guy down in Miami, good quarterback. When Waddle develops, when they get Tyree Kill, boom, Tua just, you know, propels out. Uh, I even look at Arizona. I know Arizona's not having a great year this year, but look what DeAndre Hopkins meant for a Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray was a good young quarterback. He became a star when DeAndre Hopkins came. And, you know, I read something the weekend talking about this A.J. Brown. I mean, maybe he's not the household name that you would think of when you think of, like, DeAndre Hopkins or Tyree Kill or anything. But, man, they were saying A.J. Brown's that guy that just – propels Jalen Hurts to the next height. And I, I got to tell you, Pierre, I, very solid team Eagles have. Uh, and I think what depresses me as a Steelers guy is usually when your team loses by 22, you're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Let's fire everybody. This is awful. I, I was more meh after that game because the Eagles are just better. They're like you're better ahead of the Steelers right now. I mean – I'll tell you, I, I still think Eagles are my NFC team. I mean, they looked good on Sunday. Um, well, first off, AJ Brown's not a household name, and as you claim, he is that dude. He's been that dude even when he was in Tennessee, because um, that's why it was such a surprise that he got right. traded there to Philly, because uh, he that was a major loss on Tennessee's yeah. side. But clearly, they wanted. AJ needed wanted AJ wanted to get paid top dollars. He wants that wide receiver money, and clearly he's worth every dollar because it goes back to your point. Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP type level because you have an elite wide receiver in AJ yeah. Brown. That's something that we don't say this enough about about quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. Everyone is so praised about that one individual quarterback, the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes. That you didn't even mention Justin Herbert having two wide receivers that had a thousand yards last year, Keenan Allen yeah. and Michael. And now look what happened. Those two are both hurt, and Justin Herbert is not what he used to be in his rookie right. year. So, right. yeah, wide receivers do matter. And you see the results of why they're getting paid top dollars because they make your team better. So, it, it's definitely a major key. And also the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I even told you, Chris, on the last episode, you were you were sleeping on the Eagles, and they're yeah. the most dominating team. Uh, they are they yeah they don't look all that fancy, but they got it done. They are scary. They are the most complete team. 
they're going to the Super Bowl. I think they are capable of going to the Super Bowl. That was my prediction. Because yeah, yeah. if Jalen Hurts continues the ball like that with A.J. Brown, get the running game going, I think they got a really good offensive line. And then on the defensive side, you got a massive front, the addition of Robert Quinn. Um, to be your edge guy. Um, Jordan Davis, even though he's injured right now, so he's going to miss some time. But at him, Hassan Reddick, um, Darius, Darius Slay at the corner, this is a complete Eagles team that is suited for the Super Bowl right now. So that's not, so. my condolences to your Pittsburgh Steelers team. They think that game beat up by Buffalo Bills is going to look – I can imagine what they're going to look against the Eagles. Well, I, we'll talk about the, the Steelers mess a little bit, but yeah, the other thing I was thinking about the Eagles is they got all these guys in the offseason, and none of these guys are alone, like they'll knock your socks off. But I think about guys like um, Bradbury, their quarterback, the guy, um, you know, the A.J. Brown and everything. Um, they got Robert Quinn on the trade deadline, and even if Quinn's like a situational pass rusher, they, they got so much better. I mean, they're getting like A minus B plus guys all over the place. I mean, the GM put together the team well. And I'll tell you everything, too. You know, you got Jalen Hurts on that rookie contract. When you do that, that gives you a lot more money to fill in the rest of the team. And that's kind of how you do it, Peter. You, you get that quarterback on the rookie contract, you can build around them a lot quicker and everything. Uh, it's it just. I love it. Yeah, I so love everything. It's a, yeah, it's a well-put-together team. Man. The Miami Dolphins are doing the exact thing. I don't know if you saw that, but they got yeah. they added Bradley Chubb. They added um, Jeff Wilson, and they gave up their first round just to get Bradley Chubb because they know they are all in with Tua Tagovailoa. And oh, yeah. you, see, you see the result of it because they're 5-3. and three. And now, the, now you got another addition with Bradley Chubb that can help beef up your your pass rusher, um, your um, your defensive front, because that's what was they're lacking right now on defense. It's just these are the kind of the additions you need when you're making that playoff push. Sometimes you have to be that aggressive, and so you want to see like the, the Philadelphia Eagles making their moves like that when they did, or you seen, or even even before the final trade deadline, Christian McCaffrey going to the San Francisco 49ers how much he was a difference maker and helping them with right. the running game, especially with the absence of Debo Samuels. These are difference make makers that's going to get you, that was going to get you, um, get past the needle, you know, that can get you over the corner, make so get you in that playoff push that can get you to that Super Bowl run that you want. So those, so these kinds of additions are very valuable and very important and by any means necessary. You have to give up a ton of picks just to make that happen. Yeah, I mean the value of adding a pass rusher to trade deadline, you know, for the Dolphins with Chubb, the Eagles with Quinn, yeah, very, yeah, extremely helpful. Um, some stuff about the Steelers, you know, I've got some friends I do a podcast with. We're going to tape an episode later tonight, and they spam my Facebook inbox today with, "Oh, is Kane Pickett the guy or not?" The Steelers have about six other big issues that are I mean, I'm not telling you they can't pick it's your quarterback or not. You when you look at holes, the Steelers, I mean, you talk about how great the Eagles offensive defense line are, and I, I agree with you, they're great. The Steelers offensive defense line is crap. And you know, you've got to build up that line, so they're struggling there. Uh, they still don't have uh, the inside linebacker. I mean, Miles Jack's looking good for him this year. Uh, but Devin Bush and Robert Spillane have been disappointing, to say the least. And cornerback, um, Peter, I mean, Agent Brown's great. I'm not saying he's not. But you, you got to have a quarterback that lines up against him. I mean, if the Steelers, and obviously they're not even the same country right now as the Eagles. But if the Steelers are going to say, hey, we're going to contend for a championship, You've got to get a quarterback that can cover guys like A.J. Brown. They don't have that. And A.J. Brown, uh, man, if you have him on your fantasy team, you did pretty well over the weekend because he torched did, all of the Steelers. Uh, didn't they just add William Jackson? Didn't they just add William Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. William Jackson's an <laughs> interesting guy. Um, in the draft where he came out, and 
I believe right it was the 15, 2015 draft. Um, the Steelers actually liked him. The Steelers liked him in the um, draft process. Uh, the Bengals picked him right before the Steelers pick. And the Steelers went for Artie Burns, which didn't turn out too well for the Steelers. Um, they've always liked um, Jackson. Uh, Jackson went to Washington. Uh, I was reading up on him today. Washington used a lot of zone uh, packages on their defense. Jackson's more of a man-to-man guy. So Jackson kind yeah. of was rough for Washington this year, but part of it was the zone versus the man-to-man. Steelers play more of a man-to-man. I was reading uh, inside of Steelers today. It said, look, he looks at Jackson as another body. And not to say Jackson's poor, but he's like, don't expect Jackson to come in and be your number one uh, quarterback. If Jackson could be a number two, I like that. I mean, they need that because, uh, but you know, the, right now, Sue's got a lot of number two guys uh, with Witherspoon and Levi Wallace and um, Cam Sutton. Um, so, hey, if Jackson can contribute, yeah, they need all they can get. I still think in the offseason, though, they need to get a number one cornerback. Uh, they have 30 million under the cap, so they can't go out and get everybody. So, if you can't get a guy like that as a free agent, um, they have a lot of draft picks right now in the first two rounds. I think, you know, unless you get a free agent, one of those top first or second round picks needs to be a quarterback, I'd say. Um, yeah, so the Jackson trade, Peter, to be honest with you, I don't think it was terrible. They really didn't have to give up hardly anything for Jackson, so hopefully it works out. The other one, which kind of came as a surprise at first, uh, they traded Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears. I'll tell you, Peter, I love Chase Claypool coming out of college. Chase Claypool has kind of regressed a little bit. Um, lots of average to Sundays, nowhere near 100 yards, a lot of 50-yard receiving games. And, man, Peter, they got a second-round pick from the Bears. The Bears probably won't do that well this year, so it could be a pick in the top 40. Man, I I think they did well if, if, if you're going to trade Chase Claypool. Yeah, um, Chase Claypool has been very in and out. Um, so a good addition for the Chicago Bears because they don't really have receivers like that. So it definitely was um, a good pickup for on their end. Um, yeah, and you talking about with both teams are not where they need to be, and they're both rebuilding. Um, so with Pittsburgh, um. Adding William Jackson definitely helps um, with your secondary. Uh, we know Pittsburgh is more of a man cover two type corners, so I definitely fit that. Um, I kind of like Cam Sutton. I, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but Cam Sutton really has a high grade among corners, so they might have something there with him. So I don't know if he's more of a number two guy. Maybe he could be surprising enough to be that number one guy if he continues to remain consistent. Um, so maybe you don't necessarily need to draft a corner, maybe for depth reasons, sure. But um, you might have something there. And obviously what depends on how William Jackson is going to turn yeah. out. That just makes it a bonus as well. Um, so one thing for sure, man, Mika, is, I got to feel bad for Mika a little bit because yeah. Mika is literally your only – your, your only best player who's having an all pro level, but it's still, he's still dealing with how bad the defense is because he's your late force. He's your last of defense and he literally had to do everything. And unfortunately you can't do everything. So yeah. it, 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 so it's good that you have made those additions and uh, the damage is already done. The Pittsburgh Steelers is not going to do anything this year. Uh, and uh, I think now what the problem is is, I mean, even when, he, when Mike Tomlin already addressed it, that they're not getting rid of Matt Canada, but what's the alternative if they do? Here's the only thing that bugs me, and the Steelers are almost too loyal. You, you know, they don't get rid of coaches that easily. Uh, the thing I don't like Matt Canada. I I just hope, and I read something that. Cannon may like they're not going to announce that he's not going to be the offensive like play caller, but even Cannon admitted that they were going to try to split up a little bit differently. 
So I, I, I think that even if Cam's with the team, he may not be your number one guy. I, I will say the thing that bugs me is I hope it doesn't slow Kenny Pickett's process. Because what bothered me about the game uh, was a lot of the same play calls. Not much over the middle. Uh, just a lot of fly patterns for receivers. They just run down. Uh, they're doing the exact same thing. A lot of screens, a lot of short passes. Um, Pickett was sacked six times. Offensive line's messy. Philadelphia has a great defensive line. I, I, you've got to do something a little bit different. And I know you scored a touchdown on a gadget play with Chase Claypool through a pass to Derek White. I get that. But that's one play. I mean, you lost by 22 and you you pulled off that play. I mean, you've got to really – got to throw it down the field. I mean, Big Ben said that in his podcast. Why is he throwing it down the field? I mean, Pickett can throw it. And I'm not talking running the same, you know, where you just run down the field and hopefully you catch it. Be a little bit more innovative, you know, long crossing pattern or something else like that. Uh, Deontay Johnson's rough, Peter. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, Najee Harris was supposed to be the running back. Najee Harris isn't even the best running back on the team right now. Jalen Warren, an undrafted guy from uh, Colorado, is your best running back right now. He's running hard. He's he's doing good stuff. So, you know, and they just don't – they're not a good team right now. Their line struggles. And it's Oklahoma lot, State, by the way. He went to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's tough, man. He he runs. I don't know if he could be the guy who can run it 25 times a game, but I mean, he runs hard. Najee Harris is running hard right now. I mean, I, I like the kid, and Jalen Warren's a better blocker and everything. Here's the other thing, man, uh, from that Eagles game. I know that it was tough. They had a rough game. Pickens only had three targets, yeah. didn't catch any. So I'm yeah. wondering if even the Subtraction of Claypool for the trade. I mean, get Pickens more targets. And they're not going to win a bunch of games if this stuff happens. I, I just want to get out of the season saying, okay, this guy looks good, this guy looks good, this guy looks good. Throughout the rest of the guys. Um, and here's the other thing, too. I know I'm kind of going off a little bit a lot in the sewage right now. The no, other go, problem, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm enjoying this. Terrell Edmonds is quietly having a pretty good year at safety uh, for the Steelers. Um, solid. I wouldn't say he's the all-pro, but he's been playing pretty well. Edmonds came back to the Steelers uh, because the safety market was so dry. I think he ended up signing for $2 bucks. Edmonds is a free agent this year. He's going to ask for a lot more than $2 bucks. I don't know if the Steelers have the money to resign him. And, you know, that's going to be a huge hole to fill, too. So, I mean, Pierre, they got six or seven holes to fill. It's kind of rough. So, all right. Well, well, hey, we're almost at the end of what we're doing, Pierre. What's upcoming for you? I'm assuming you're going to cover some more high school football this weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, it's play- We're in the playoffs. So, second, yeah. the second round. Um, I'm actually going to be at Menard on Friday. Um, for the rematch between McKinley and Menard, that's going to be fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've been keeping up, but McKinley, remember the yeah. start off 0-4, then won five straight. So, and um, they, they're definitely a lot different than they were in week one when they played Menard. So, let's see if um, they can, let's see if they learn from their first, on um, the first meeting with Menard. And see how far they come. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, Maslin, uh, Nate Morris, one win away of surpassing Paul Brown's um, high school record um, in career wins. Um, so and they play Canal Westchester. I'm sure you're familiar of there because that's mm-hmm. in, the, in the Columbus area. Yep. So that's definitely going to be some of the watch as well. And um, yeah, and we also been seeing some offers um, flying down. Um, Maslin's wide receiver, Ardell Banks, just got an offer from Kentucky. Um, I'm seeing a lot of some Star County kids are getting some looks. Um, even Wiltrell Hartson with that Tennessee. He didn't, yeah. get an offer there. He, he didn't get an offer there, but they really do like him enough to bring him bring him on. He was at one of their camps. So they've been thinking of him. So we're going to see a lot of recruiting from some Star County players. So that's something okay. that I've been an eye on. 
Yeah, and check out me out on. I'm right now for PR Daily. Um, you know, it's a trade magazine for public relations professionals, but I cover a lot of sports. Uh, today, if you go to prdaily.com, there's a big story for me. I wrote about Mattress Mac, Peter, a uh, Houston business guy. He bets big. He's a huge sports gambler on uh, sporting events. He bet $10 million earlier this offseason that the Astros were going to win the World Series. They're in the World Series. They're down 2-1. to one. If he wins, Peter, $75 million bucks. Uh, it'll be the biggest sports uh, gambling payout in history. And wrote about how he's getting a lot of good public relations for his business, man. Sometimes seventy-five million bucks. That's yeah. what you say. Seventy-five million. Yeah, he bet ten million on the Astros to win. He gets seventy-five million. He's a rich guy anyway. He's seventy-one. Uh, he gives away a lot of his wings to charity. He's a Christian guy. You know, some Christians don't want to gamble, uh, but he does it that way. And also, too, he makes these uh, marketing promotions around sporting events. So if you buy your uh, furniture, uh, what is it? Like a week or two before, if you pay more than 3000 bucks in mattresses, you'll get it for free if the Astros win. And you say, man, he's going to lose all his money. He bets on the Astros to win, so he makes his money back. <laughs> if you know the Astros win, he's got all that free merchandise. Interesting guy. It was fun to write about him today. So. That's, that's crazy. Right. Well, Peter, we're at the end of the hour. Hang on for a second. I got a gripe at you about something that happened at, at my old job <laughs> that you might enjoy. Uh, so for Peter, this is Chris. Thanks for checking our football show. Have a great night. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.